This morning, we turn for our reading of God's Word to 2 Chronicles chapter 6. 2 Chronicles 6. And although this is a little longer chapter, we're going to read um, all 42 verses of this chapter together. Second Chronicles chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's word. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David, my father, saying, Since the day that I brought my people out of the land of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. And I chose no man as prince over my people Israel. But I have chosen Jerusalem, that my name may be there, and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, it is not you who shall build the house, But your son, who shall be born to you, shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made. For I have risen in the place of David my father, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And there I have set the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the people of Israel. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and he set it in the court, and he stood on it. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord, God of Israel, There is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart, who who have kept with your servant David my father what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand you have fulfilled it this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant David my father what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit on the throne of Israel, if only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now, therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David. But will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you. 
that your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place, and listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, and listen from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. If a man sins against his neighbor, and is made to take an oath and comes and swears his oath before the, the altar in this house, then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, repaying the guilty by bringing his conduct on his own head and vindicating the righteous by rewarding him according to his righteousness. If your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they sinned against you and they turn again and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them again to the land that you gave to them and to their fathers. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place and acknowledge your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain upon your land, which you have given to your people as an inheritance. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence, or blight, or mildew, or locust, or caterpillar, if their en enemies besiege them in the land at their gates, whatever plague, whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man or by all your people Israel, each knowing his own affliction and his own sorrow and stretching out his hands toward this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you... You only know the hearts of the children of mankind, that they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days that they live in the land that you gave their fathers. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country and for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place. And do according to all for the foreigner which calls to you, in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your people Israel, that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. If your people go out to battle against their enemies, by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to you toward this city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause." If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy so that they are carried away captive to a land far or near, yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly, if they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captivity to which they were carried captive, and pray toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city that you have chosen and the house which you have built for your name, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their pleas, and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Now, O oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. And now arise, O oh Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. 
Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. Here we in the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back section of the Psalter hymnal to page 57 in the back of the blue Psalter. And this is Lord's Day 45. This morning we're going to read together uh, question and answers 116 through 118. I will read the question and we can respond together with the answers from page 57 in the back of the Psalter. Question 116. Why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us, and also because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking Him for them. Question 117, how does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us. First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself in his word, asking for everything he has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must acknowledge our need and misery, hiding nothing and humbling ourselves in his majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what he promised us in his word. Question 118, what did God command us to pray for? Everything we need spiritually and physically, as embraced in the prayer Christ our Lord himself taught us. Well, this morning we are moving to the last topic that is covered in the Heidelberg Catechism, that last topic in section three, dealing with our response of gratitude to God. We have for the last number of weeks together been looking at the law of God as a response of gratitude. And now we we turn our focus to prayer. Prayer as an expression of our gratitude to God. And we're going to look together in the next several weeks at the Lord's Prayer a beautiful model of how we might pray to our Father in heaven. There are many wonderful prayers given to us in the Word of God. Uh, The Lord's Prayer taught to us by Christ Himself. We have Jesus Christ's high priestly prayer as a model of how we should pray. There are prayers in Ezra and in Nehemiah calling out to God. And there is this prayer. This prayer by Solomon at the dedication of the temple. We read in the first first verse there, Then Solomon said, The Lord has said he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. Solomon built the temple, the house of God. And if we had read chapter 5, I was tempted to, but I didn't want to stretch you too far. If we had read chapter 5 as well, In chapter 5, we have the ark of God entering into that temple. And now, as the people are celebrating the presence of God in his temple, Solomon prays this beautiful prayer, a beautiful model for us. Our confession asks in question 117, how does God want us to pray so he will listen to us? How should we pray that God will listen from heaven? 
And that theme of God listening from heaven is found throughout chapter 6. I would say the heart of this chapter is in verse 21. And listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, and listen from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. Prayers heard from heaven. How is it we are to pray? So we're going to look this morning at Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple to to be instructed as to how we might pray to God that he would hear our prayers from heaven as well. Prayers heard from heaven. Prayers heard from heaven begin by acknowledging the greatness of our God. Look at verse 14. Verse 14. And Solomon said, O Lord... God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. Prayers heard from heaven acknowledge God as the one true God. And we we hear the echoes here of the law. The very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Prayers heard from heaven acknowledge the one true God, our Father, through Jesus Christ. We are told today, you know, it really doesn't matter who you pray to or whose name you pray in. What's important is that you're sincere in your prayers. After all, whether you want to pray to to Buddha or to Allah or Confucius or, or to some great unnamed deity. It really doesn't matter as long as you believe what you're praying. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We must pray to the one true God, the only God. God does not effectively hear the prayers of those who are prayed to other gods. We must have no God before him. How do we pray? so that God will will listen to our prayers. First, we must pray from the heart to no other than the one true God who has revealed himself in his word. We acknowledge there is God, there is only one God, and to him we pray. Acknowledging God's greatness, acknowledging his faithfulness. Verse 14 again, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Our God is a faithful God. He is a covenant-keeping God. He is a God who keeps His word, a God who keeps His promises. And we see that theme in 2 Chronicles 6 as well. Look at verse 16. We read there, Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant David my father what you have promised him, saying, You shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. God had promised that there would be a man on Israel's throne. And Solomon now prays, based on the promise of God, Lord God, keep that promise as we see you are keeping that promise. Go back to verse 10. We read there, For I have risen in the place of David my father and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, acknowledging God's faithfulness. He is a covenant-keeping God. He is a promise-keeping God. He had promised there would always be a man on David's throne. And Solomon says, may that continue. And by the way, we see it already. 
We see right now in the fact that I'm sitting here, you are being faithful to your promises. God had promised that he would have a man on David's throne and that there would be a temple that would be built. Look at verse 7. Now it was in the heart of David my father to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well, it was in your heart. Nevertheless, it is not you who shall build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made. God had said to David, your son will build this house. And here we have Solomon standing in the house, the fulfillment of that promise. God is a covenant-keeping God. He is a faithful God. He is a God who promised to be in the midst of his people. Verse 11, And there I have set the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the people of Israel. Again, in chapter 5, we see that ark being brought in. That ark, you remember, that was the symbol of God's presence in the midst of his people. That ark with the, with the chair, with the mercy seat on top. A picture of the king sitting on his throne. And that, that throne is now brought in to the temple. We read at the end of, of chapter 5 uh, these beautiful words. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. God's glory, God's majesty, the promise he had made, I will dwell in your midst. And here the ark is brought in, and the glorious cloud of God descends upon the temple, and God's presence is there. God is a faithful God, a covenant-keeping God. We must pray to Him acknowledging His greatness, acknowledging His majesty, acknowledging He is the only true God, the only one to whom we can turn, and acknowledging that He is faithful to His promises. And we can plead upon those promises, for we know that His word is sure, His word is true. Prayers heard from heaven acknowledge God's greatness. Prayers heard from heaven recognize our own dependence upon God. This is such a striking story. This is Solomon. This is the king. This is the head of Israel. And he is there in the midst of all the people. He's there in the midst of the assembly. And what do we read about this great king, this head of the people? Go to verse 12. And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands, the posture of prayer. He spread out his hands. Solomon made a bronze platform, five cubits long and five cubits wide and three cubits high, and he set it in the court and he stood upon it. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. The head of the people, the king, in all of his glory, standing on this platform, when he comes in the presence of God, the king gets down on his knees. He acknowledges who God is and his dependence on God. I was at a church some time ago that um, still had uh, kneeling benches in the church. Now, we certainly don't want to put symbolism over substance, but there is something proper. 
in our posture of prayer, of kneeling before God, recognizing His greatness, recognizing His glory, His majesty, and recognizing our dependence upon Him. Our confession, how should we pray so God will listen to us? Second, we must acknowledge our need and misery, hiding nothing, and humble ourselves in His majestic presence. This is how we come to our God. We humble ourselves before Him. What do we read here in verse 18? Solomon says, But will God indeed dwell with man on the earth? Behold, the heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer of your servant, praise before you, that your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer that your servant offers toward this place. Solomon recognizes, God, you are too great. You are too majestic to be contained in a building I could build. Even the highest heavens can't contain you. Well, then why build the temple? And why would God's ark be there as a symbol of His presence? It was a reminder to Israel to help to focus their attention and their prayers. We do have a God. Yes, He dwells in the heavens, but He has also promised to be here for us. It was to focus the prayers of God's people and remind them God was with them. He would hear them. He would answer from heaven. It was to give focus and direction to them. How do we pray today? We don't have to pray towards a temple in some other land. But no, we do have, we do have something to help to focus our prayers. We turn not toward a temple in the Middle East somewhere but we turn toward the true temple, Jesus Christ. We turn to Him in our prayers to focus our attention. And we pray our prayers in His name, not our own. We pray our prayers that God would hear us for His sake, not our own. Christ is that mediator, that one through whom we come to the Father. He gives focus to our prayers, focus to our attention upon God. How do we pray so that God will listen to us? Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will certainly listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what He promised in His Word. God will certainly hear our prayers for the sake of Jesus Christ. Prayers heard from heaven recognize our dependence. We don't come to God in our own name. We don't come to God in our own right. We don't pray, God, hear my prayer for my sake, but hear me for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Prayers heard from heaven acknowledge God's greatness. They recognize our dependence. And prayers heard from heaven may ask for all things. Our question 118, what did God command us to pray for? Everything we need spiritually and physically. And we have the needs of God's people poured out in this prayer at the dedication of the temple. Verse 22. 
If a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and swears his oath before your altar in this house, then hear from heaven and act and judge your servants, repaying the guilty by bringing his conduct on his own head and vindicating the righteous by rewarding him. Our prayers are for God's justice to be established. That God would show himself to be that just judge, vindicating the righteous, punishing the guilty. An expression of God's righteous judgment. And God is a just judge. And God does act in a way that will bring glory to himself and he will judge rightly. And we say, but how, how can that be when in this world we see it seems like the unrighteous are taking over everything? It seems like unrighteousness runs rampant. Can we really say God is a just judge? God is just. And he will exercise his judgment either in this life or in the life to come. I'm mindful of Psalm 73 where the psalmist talks about the fact that it seems like the wicked have everything going for them. Their lives are easy, they're healthy, they have all these riches, and then I saw their end, the psalmist says. And I realized God has placed them on a slippery slope. God is a righteous judge. He is a just judge. And he will vindicate his justice, either in this life or in the life to come. We pray that God demonstrate his justice and his righteousness. Verse 24, if your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned against you and they turn again and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them again to the land that you gave to them and to their fathers. If they go out to battle and they are defeated because of their own sin, Lord God, be merciful. Forgive them. Forgive them for what they have done. None of us, I suspect, this week are going to be going out toward a physical battle. But we certainly do uh, battle spiritually every day. We battle with that sinful nature which still clings to us. We battle against those sins. And yet there are times when we give in and we are defeated. And we say, look what I have done. This particular besetting sin, I've committed it once again. How in the world could God forgive me? Solomon prays, when we humble ourselves and acknowledge our sin, Lord God, hear from heaven and forgive. As we continue in that battle, even when we are defeated by our own sinful nature and we turn to God, He is gracious, He is merciful, and He hears from heaven and forgives his people. Look at verse 26. When heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place and acknowledge your name and turn from their sin when you afflict them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sins of your servants, your people Israel, when you teach them the good way in which they should walk and grant rain upon the land. Rain was a symbol of God's blessing. Remember, the people of Israel are no longer a wandering horde. They have become a sedentary people. They are raising crops, they are raising grain, they are raising olives, and they are dependent upon the rains. And for God to withhold the rain was a symbol of God's judgment. 
And so, so they pray, Lord God, when you withhold those rains because of our sins, and if we pray towards you, then forgive and send the blessing once again. There was a, an economic component to their prayers. If the rains were withheld and there were no crops, they were affected financially. Prayers heard from heaven recognize that God is the giver of all good things. If we are struggling with economic issues, maybe the question we have to ask ourselves is, have we been faithful? Have we done, have we been good stewards of what God has given to us already? Before we ask for more, what have we done with what he's already given to us? And if we have not been good stewards, if we have not been faithful, we must humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness and then ask for God to send the reins and teach us, instruct us in the way that we should go. God gives rain, gives blessing upon his people when we humble ourselves before him. Verse 28, if there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locust or caterpillar or enemies come and all these things, in fact, this, this little section here is a little different because it doesn't really talk about the results of their sin, but just those ongoing difficulties in life. When we, when we go through difficult times and we say, you know, I know I'm a sinner, I know I'm fallen, but I don't see any overt sin that's calling this, making this happen. Even then do we still trust God's providential care. Trusting Him to be our Father in heaven, the one who loves us and cares for us for the sake of Jesus Christ. And even when, when the walls are crashing down around us, we say God is still in control. I don't see how he's working this out, but I know he's bringing glory to himself. I still trust in the name of God. And then what I think is probably the most striking thing in this prayer, verse 32. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a far country and for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays toward this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, that they may know that this house I have built is called by your name. Not only for Israel, when the foreigner calls, foreigner, someone outside the covenant people, when they hear about God, about His power, about His majesty, and they say, this God is the true God, and they bow before Him and say, this God is my God, God hears that prayer. That's the, that's the hope of the gospel. That, that once again today, we can call out to everyone, if you humble yourself in the presence of this good God, He will hear your prayer. He will hear from heaven and forgive all of your sins when you place your trust in Him through Jesus Christ alone. When the foreigner calls, God still hears. Glorious prayers heard from heaven the love and the mercy of our God. And now, finally, from verse 36. If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy, so they are carried away captive to a land far or near, 
Yet if they turn their heart in the land to which they have been carried captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned and have acted perversely and wickedly, if they repent with all their mind and with all their heart in the land of their captivity to which they've been carried captive and pray toward, their land, toward this land which you gave to their fathers, then hear from heaven your dwelling place their pleas and maintain their cause and forgive them. Even when your people are so wicked that you send them away in captivity, when they even then recognize what they have done, when they even then being placed properly in captivity by you will turn and repent and confess, Lord God, you will still hear. You will hear the cries of your people and you will restore them. And I can't help but hear in this section of the prayer echoes toward, toward the discipline of the church. There are times when the church in love will exercise discipline, even the most extreme case of discipline. And someone is excommunicated from the church. Even then, if they would but humble themselves, if they would but turn to God, if they would but confess their sins, even though they've been sent off to the world and placed in captivity, our gracious, merciful God will still hear. His arm is not too short to save. His ear is attentive to the cries of His people. When we turn to Him, when we confess Him, when we embrace Jesus Christ and recognize what he has done for us. These are prayers heard from heaven. God hears the cries of the sinful. Solomon says, Now, O oh my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. Prayers heard from heaven. Prayers that acknowledge the power, majesty, the glory of God. Prayers that humble ourselves before Him, confessing our sin. And prayers that turn to Him, asking for all things spiritual and physical. The same prayers heard from heaven back in the temple are the prayers God hears today. And so we say, O oh my God, let your eyes be open. Let your ears be attentive to the prayers of this place, your church. And let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, great and glorious, holy and majestic, truly, O oh God, the highest heavens cannot contain you. Certainly no building can contain you. And yet you do choose to dwell in the midst of your people by your Holy Spirit. We confess, O oh God, we are weak and frail and we stand in need of your forgiveness. We stand in need of your strength. And so we pray that you might work mightily and powerfully in our midst. That your ear might be attentive to our cries for mercy. Your eyes open to this place as we pray to you. Lord God, if we are, are living in rebellion against you, in stubborn disobedience, hear from heaven and forgive. Humble our hearts. We might be restored to fellowship with you. Lord God, we pray that you would provide for us 
If our own sinful choices are hurting us, bring us to confession of sin. Lord God, help us to trust you for all things in this life and the life to come. You are great, you are glorious and majestic. Hear your humbled children as we call to you our Father. We pray in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, our intercessor, and for his sake. Amen.